yeah, Simon's asked me to speak again, so I must have not preached heresy last time and gotten away with it. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be um, speaking something now. But um, yeah, I'm I'm no expert on worship at all. Um, it's obviously something really close to my heart. Um, obviously, from a musical point of view, but also through through my love of music, um, it's uh, musical musical worship. It kind of leads to avenues of what worship is. Um, and um, and that's what hopefully I'm going to try and bring a bit of today. So I've been playing music and worship for about 20 years now, just over 10 years in this church. Um, so a subject close to my heart, and, and particularly to see others grow in that love of worship and, and intimacy. It doesn't have to be music, but just wanting to meet with the Lord. Um, so all aspects of worship, um, I think it's really important. And, and Simon asked me to mention the topic of worship, it was really interesting because Jay, in our, in our worship band, he's been um, leading us through a load of words um, over the last few months, and we've found that so amazing, haven't we, to the guys in the band, just different words, and um, I'd say I'd be stealing from him, but actually it's from the Bible, so you know, it's going from him, hopefully, but you'll see all these amazing words that the English word worship just, just doesn't even start to kind of scratch the surface of, so it just felt like a good sort of, um, um, a good sort of kind of timing thing there, so... So the subject of worship, I think if we're honest, let me check that's working. So if we think of our immediate reaction to the word worship, I won't put a show of hands there, but you know, how many people of us, how many of us might just go, that's our picture of worship, what we're thinking of. Um, and again, that's not wrong. That's absolutely not wrong. That's worship. But it certainly doesn't encompass everything that worship is. So it can be a wonderful time of the Lord, and that could be in a musical setting or whatever. But, you know, worship is, is huge, and obviously I want to try and at least scratch the surface a little bit um, of that today. Um, so it's absolutely more than music, and it's really talking about intimacy, meeting, meeting with the Lord. And, um, yeah, I will be talking about music as well. I think, it's, I think the more I've looked into it, the more Scripture just talks about how music and singing um, and even the plucking of strings, it's amazing, um, but we'll get into that. Um, I, I, I try to refer to our, um, our, our, the group that we're part of as, as the music group or the, um, you know, the, I try not to say it's the worship group. I don't think there is a worship group, a church just looking at worship in the church. I think that's everyone's duty and everyone's ministry. We, we do worship. So I try and talk of us as a band, but we use music clearly to try and do that. Um, and I think really important as part of each of our, our own discipleship personally, we, we need to be challenging ourselves and growing in the area of personal worship. We can't just rely on big meetings, Sundays, um, even prayer meetings. We should be worshipping individually. And again, it doesn't have to be musically, um, but I think it's, it's, I think it's incredibly important um, of, uh, of what it should be. So a quick overview of what I want to talk about today. Three simple questions probably that we could, yeah, but could be talked about probably for, well, for the rest of time. Um, but yeah, what is worship? Uh, why should we worship and how can we worship? Um, and again, I'm really trying to base it on everything I find in God's word and, and, and not of opinions. Since, since I kind of growing in my faith, uh, probably late teens, when I really sort of take, start taking my faith seriously, I've realized that any opinion I have, it's got to be founded in scripture for me. If it's not founded in scripture, what's it based on? Is it based on current trends? Is it based on some, some person out there who's, who's claiming to have all the answers? If I can't back it up with scripture, it says to me, can I trust it? And um, it creates a lot of difficulties. I'm sure a lot of you know that, you know, when you kind of go, right, I'm reading this, and it's, and that's really hard, and sometimes it kind of cuts our spirit open. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I've tried to look into the Bible to, to back up what, what I'm saying here. 
Um, and um, I also want to talk about what worship is, but also what praise is, because I think the two words can be sort of used um, like for like for each other, but I think there's a, 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 a significant difference there. Um, and I, I've, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second as well. So let's talk about what worship is, or what I, I, I believe it to be from, from stuff we found out. Um, so just at the very start, a very simple, you know, non-biblical, just a standard dictionary definition, um, talked about showing reverence, honor, or adoration to someone or something. It's pretty good. Um, but I found this one, and it's a new reference to me, the Easton's Bible Dictionary. I don't know if anyone knows that, but um, I've come across it before, but it, um, I thought this was really good, and it, it deserves talking about, I think. Um, it was saying, homage rendered to God, which it is sinful to render to any created being. I think is worth saying again. And homage rendered to God, which it is sinful to render to any created being. And because it's a Bible dictionary, obviously they've got some cross-references there. Um, the first one, Exodus, talking about God is a jealous God. You know, it said he's a jealous God, which, um, again, when I was young in my faith, I saw the word jealous and thought, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a naughty human trait, isn't it? That's a bad thing to be jealous. No one should be jealous. Um, but actually, the more I've looked into you know, who, who the Lord is, um, and, and his character and what he's done for us, the more I've seen why he's a jealous God. I just came up with an analogy, which it's, it's surely going to be imperfect, but it kind of helps me think a little bit. Imagine a, a good chisel, not this one, this is awful, but you know, it's a chisel anyway. Um, imagine like you're a, you're a, a craftsperson, a, a master craftsperson, and you create tools, it could be any tool, um, but it just so happens you're making a, a chisel for someone, someone really dear to you, you're making this, this chisel um, to be given to them. Um, it's, it's, say it's handcrafted, you've used the finest materials, you've not, you've not budgeted at all for this, you've just blown the budget and, and gone for everything. The best materials, the finest processes, um, you know, you've, it's utterly unique. You've even gone as far as engraving that person's name on the handle. You know, you've, you've taken hours over this, more hours than you've even counted. You've been meticulous in the, in the design and the, the preparation of this chisel. Now, for those who use chisels, it really only has one purpose, and it's just to sort of chip away at wood and, and take chunks out of wood. But imagine you gave this, uh, gave this chisel to that person. You put it in a box with a silk bow. It's a beautiful box as well. You'd spend hours on this thing. And the person takes it out and starts using it as a hammer, starts battering it on there, tries to use it as a screwdriver and like getting into kind of screw holes, a door wedge, just, just throws it on the floor. Can you imagine how you'd feel the hours of time an effort you'd spent creating that for one purpose, and it's, and it's not being used in that way. That, for me, is how I feel God feels about when he sees us serve anything else or anyone else. You know, your bodies have been created for God. You've got a whole, I believe we've got a whole, it's a soul we have that, that it's, it's just desperate to cry out to God, and it's only to serve him. And when God sees us do that for any other thing, it pains him, it really pains him. So I quite like that, that um, definition. Um, it, homage rendered to God, which is sinful to render to any created being. Um, he's a jealous God. The other examples there are um, talking about um, God's people turning away from him and, and God's righteous anger and wrath. And um, These are characteristics that the Lord has. Thank goodness, uh, or thank the Lord that he sent Jesus because that was poured on him um, on the cross and not on us. Um, and also there, the Luke reference, you know, Jesus talking to the devil, and he says, worship the Lord and serve him only. So it's pretty clear, worship's reserved for one person, um, and it's not to any other thing. Um, lots of references, uh, you'll find worship talking about drawing near in reverence, submission, 
um, holiness, we have, we have a holy God. And obviously by ourselves, we have no holiness. We have the opposite of holiness, but, but you know, we, we draw near through Jesus. So it's a drawing near, it's a, it's a handing over. It's obviously not just singing and music, but as I said, the more I've looked into this, the more there's so many examples of that. And um, yeah, you don't have to be musical to I still think to, to carry out some of the words that it uses there for worship. Um, so um, the other thing I wanted to say, as I said before, what is worship and how does it differ from praise? Because I think sometimes we might just use them as, um, as a synonyms or kind of a, as a similar word. Um, I found a really good um, reference online, and I had to just quote it verbatim because I think it was so good, um, but from a, um, a really good website, gotquestions.org is a really good, a good place. But I had to read this because I thought it was good. Um, praise is the joyful recounting of all God has done for us. It is closely intertwined with thanksgiving as we offer back to God appreciation for his mighty works on our behalf. Praise can be a feature of other relationships as well. We can praise our family, friends, our boss, or even our paper boy. Praise does not require anything of us. It is merely the truthful acknowledgement of the righteous acts of another. Since God has done many wonderful deeds, he is worthy of praise. And it references Psalm 18 there. But worship comes from an entirely different place within our spirits. Worship should be reserved for God alone in the Luke uh, verse referenced above. Worship is the art of losing oneself in the adoration of another. Praise can be a part of worship, but worship goes beyond praise. Praise is easy, and worship is not. Worship gets to the heart of what we are, or who we are. To truly worship God, we must let go of our own self-worship. We must be willing to humble ourselves before God and surrender every part of our lives to his control and adore him for who he is and not just what he has done. Worship is a lifestyle, not just an occasional activity. And Jesus said, the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth in John 4. So just as praise is intertwined with thanksgiving, worship is intertwined with our surrender to the Lord. Um, for example, thanking someone is really easy to do, you know, particularly if they've done something worth thanking them for. It's easy to do. But actually submitting to their will um, is a very different matter. So it depends or it demands an active response on our part. It can't be passive and we can't drift into it unconsciously. It's an attitude of our heart. Um, and even there's examples in the Bible of, of people can be going through the outward motions and not worshipping. And Jesus talked about um, the, the hypocrites who like to pray when everyone's looking at them, um, which is different for how he asks us to, to go into a room, close the door um, and pray to him, meet our Father in secret where no one else will see um, and obviously, lots of you will be thinking as well, I'm sure, that there's a very good biblical definition of a true and proper worship in Romans 12. So I was going to come on to that here. And it's called living sacrifice, stuff we've just been talking about. Um, yeah, so therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And it goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his, per, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So just considering worship um, from a musical point of view would be so incredibly limiting here. This is talking about you know, offering your whole body, your, your body as a living sacrifice, effectively everything you do um, to the Lord. So that's both uh, physically, it's mentally, it's spiritually. And of course, Mark 12, Jesus is talking about how the greatest commandment we have is to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and then seconds to love our neighbor. So it's just so clear that's, that's a whole life thing. It isn't something you can just 
pick up and put down. It reminded me a bit of um, Paul talks in 2 Timothy um, about, um, you know, he's, he's, he's getting, on in a- getting on in age. Obviously, he's talking to Timothy, who's a, young, uh, a younger leader. Um, and he says this in 2 Timothy 4. He says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who crave his appearing. So this is Paul kind of saying, I've given it everything. <laughs> like I'm, I'm literally getting to a point I have no more to give um, and, you know, before he went on to die, um, or on this earth uh, at least. And that, that scripture also reminds me of, um, many of you will be aware, uh, know of an uh, American missionary, Jim Elliott, uh, many years ago. A quote that always sticks in my head when I read, read that, um, that verse. Um, he said these words, he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And again, I think it's worth repeating again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So worship is a sacrifice. It has to be a sacrifice on our part. It's the giving up of something that maybe we wanted to hold on to before. Um, But yes, to worship God, we give up something to get something so much infinitely greater than before. And uh, maybe it's one of those uncomfortable truths as well, but when we use the word sacrifice, a sacrifice because of giving up something, it generally hurts. Um, I don't believe it's a God-honoring thing for us to deliberately hurt ourselves or to deliberately you know, deprive ourselves and put ourselves in, in actual danger, but actually it does require a giving up of something on our part um, to the Lord. And, um, and on that note, on that thought, um, I was thinking of the... Um, sorry, that's probably really small. I'll read it out. It's Genesis 22, um, if, um, if anyone has it on their phone or, or the Bible. No one carries an actual Bible anymore, do they? Who's got, a, who's got one? Hey, how many people have got one? There you are, the Word of God in, in print form. Great. Um, yeah, it's Genesis 22, if you want to follow along. Um, but this, this story, for me, um, is just all about sacrifice, obedience, faith um, that we saw in, in Abraham. So um, I'm going to sort of... Um, just in the interest of time, I won't read it word for word, but you can follow it there. So God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham took his young men, his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And he took, his ha- took in his hand the fire and the knife. And Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Yeah, so, I mean, picture that story from Abraham's point of view. Um, He's tying up his one and only son, a son he'd longed for, craved for, um, placing him on top of a pile of dry wood, and he had a flaming torch in one hand and a knife in the other that he was literally going to kill his son with. I mean, I find this story hard to comprehend anyway, but I mean, since having kids, it's it's just even more so kind of hit me that Abraham was prepared to do this um, for the Lord. Um, but it works obviously for anyone you think you, you, anyone you truly love just think of think of them in that place 
So thankfully, there's a, there's a, um, a much better ending to the story, I suppose, certainly from Abraham's point of view. Um, he was prepared to offer his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or anything to him. For now I know that you fear God and that you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, him was, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, and it said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it has been provided. So the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham. He says, by myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offering as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So he was prepared to, to offer his own son um, a literal sacrifice. And, and I think incredibly as well, Isaac appears to sort of, he was questioning Abraham, but he was sort of going along with it, which is, um, which is uh, amazing. But yeah, thankfully the Lord provided a lamb instead. And, and what an amazing example in scripture. Um, and I love it when you see Old Testament uh, scripture that just so aligns uh, with the picture of what Jesus did. Uh, and, and you see this, the offering of, of an only son, um, the, a lamb being sacrificed. Even on the third day when I, Abraham did this, the, the text says, what an example of, of Jesus, the, the only son of God, the perfect son of God, dying for the sins of an ungodly and ungrateful people, um, which is um, just an amazing reminder of, of the grace that we live in, isn't it? So Abraham's faith in the Lord's original promise and his obedience, um, we're told it's credited to, him as right, credited to him as righteousness, and it led to the fulfillment, on, and still, I suppose, being fulfilled, that his descendants would be uh, as numerous as the sand on the seashore, uh, back in Genesis 15, obviously now at the end of this chapter. It's a really scary thought that God, um, God might ask you or I to do something for him that we don't want to do or don't understand, but actually we need to be prepared to obey I can't believe he'd ask any one of us what he asked Abraham to do. Um, I just don't think we live in that, that kind of covenant now. Um, we know also that Jesus is an all-sufficient sacrifice. He's paid that once for all. Um, there is no physical you know, sacrifice in that way to ever to be paid. Um, but whatever he does ask of us, um, I've no doubt that he has given us his power by his Holy Spirit to complete that through the work of our Holy Spirit. And I think there's plenty of scripture that says, you know, he will, he will be there for us when we, we need him and we do it in his power. So that's um, a bit of a background to what I, what I would consider worship if I had to define it, um, showing Abraham's literal faith and obedience and his offering of everything that he had. Um, this is where I want to go into some of the words that we've, um, we've been talking through as a band in the last, um, how long has it been? Probably th- Four, five months, yeah, almost half a year or so. Um, but it's been so good, and you know, Jay, um, Jay suggested we do this, and I think I've really been looking forward to every time we've had a band practice. We've you know down tools and, and just listened, and it's been great. But lots of words here, um, and I've been looking up. So lots of reasons or lots of things that we do, um, lots of things that we we do here as a form of worship. Um, but often in the Old Testament, it's just translated as the word worship. But there's so many different types in there. It reminded me of, um, I think it's, I think it's a, um, a, an old, you know, it's, I think it's been proved, disproven, but actually I've heard that um, the Inuits have so many different words for snow. We, we look out the window and, and see it, and we go, oh, it's snow. Um, I've heard that it could be up to like 40 to 70 different words, depending on dialects, 
uh, definitions of snow that they have because obviously it's their whole life, um, whereas it's much less for us. And I think it's a bit like this here. We've just used one word, and actually I think it's a reminder for us to get more into the, the detail and the translations of, of Scripture uh, to really get into it. So, um, yeah, let's have a look at some of these words. I'm not going to... Uh, read through in detail. I think there's a lot of references you can look at, but um, Shabak is a, a shout or a declaration of praise, can be uh, raising a holy roar up. Um, Barak is a, like a kneeling or it's a, a blessing to the Lord, a blessing of the Lord, um, a place of humility and submission um, there. So a lot of these things you'll, you know, you see people do during a, a time of uh, ministry or worship, um, but it's really good to see they have a biblical basis um, for, all, for all these things. Um, yada is an extended hand, so that's sort of a, a lowered extended hand. Um, and this is a sort of a gratitude, thankfulness, but also a surrender. So when people are sometimes receiving or being prayed for, they might, you know, do a yada. Um, we have the toda, which is a raised hand. Again, how often we see people raising hands in worship, and it's expressing adoration of the Lord. Um, taka, I'm probably pronouncing a lot of these wrong, by the way, and even the spellings can be a bit different depending on the sources. I think that's a, due, a, due, a bit to do with the kind of the Hebrew and Yiddish um, words or background for a lot of them. Um, but um, uh, taka is a clap and applaud, um, expressing joy and victory. We can, we can express victory in the Lord. Um, halal is a really interesting one because this forms, you might recognize the start of the, of the word there, it's the start of the word hallelujah. So hal, hala is uh, praise and ya uh, or ja is God. Uh, so it expresses joy, a jubilation, celebration. It reminds me of boasting in the Lord as well. You hear Paul saying in Corinthians, we boast in the Lord. Um, it's that, it's hallelujah, halal. Um, Tehila um, is singing scripture to instruct and encourage. Obviously, hopefully we do that through some of the songs we sing, but actually that could equally be a, a song of prayer um, spontaneously in a prayer meeting. Um, Tefila, um, prayer often sung as an intercession or a petition. Um, kara, to bend or bow down. Or it, could be, or it could be to dance exuberantly as well from a couple of different sources I've heard. David danced before the Lord with all his might, um, that example where David's dancing. We've had some spontaneous dancing this morning, and I, I didn't put them up to it, but we had, we had dancing in the worship this morning, or the, the musical worship. Um, so this is one that I'm really... Um, I, I didn't know about this. This was a real kind of new one for me. So Samar, this is making music, but specifically by striking the fingers on the strings of an instrument. Turn around for a guitar, but over there. But actually literally striking the strings. We'll talk about David in a second, but... There's a, a very clear basis for even using stringed instruments now. Of course, any instruments can worship God, but it's quite interesting that there's actually a word reserved for the striking of fingers for a holy purpose. Um, Makol uh, is uh, to twist, to leap, to dance, to twirl, so another aspect of dancing. I'll get through these quite quickly. There's lots of references online, but it's really worth looking up yourself if you're ever interested. Um, you've got Zakar to commemorate um, or to remember. That's a big part, I think, of our worship. Remember what the Lord has done for us, and we're going to talk about um, a communion as a form of worship as well. It's a remembrance. This one was a really big one, I think, that we, we talked about. Jay's taking a picture. I thought you've got... You, you gave us all of these words initially, Jay. <laughs> you've got... Oh, okay, there might be some new ones. It might be wrong, so do check them for yourself. But um, Aboda, this was, a, this was a really fascinating one, I thought, as a group we looked at. This is a kind of a combination of serving, working, worship, and the word can be used for all. So actually, this for me really encourages that anything you do, you know, you're, you're doing to the glory of God, as, as Scripture says, and actually it's a serving worship, 
and working thing. Working for the Lord is worship, uh, no matter what it looks like. And then we've also got things like um, uh, shakar, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but again, to bow down. So you can see all those different ways. Scripture's full of words of worship, and that, there's so many more you could go into there. Um, so um, it's really interesting. And even in the Greek as well, there's different words for singing of psalms and songs um, as well. So again, it's worth looking into if you get the chance. Um, but looking at that list, it kind of makes me think, wow, how much more that we could do in our, music, in our worship when we meet together, in our prayer meetings and stuff, how much more there is we can move into. Not just to do those acts for the sake of it, but actually we know those words have been used to serve the Lord for many, many years, thousands of years. You know, maybe that's something each one of us could personally look into. Could we introduce one of those things into our own personal worship? So I wanted to go through some of those. I'm just quickly checking on, on time. So yeah, we're going to look at the question now. Well, okay, if that is worship, then why should we do it? And again, I'm preaching to the choir. Maybe that's a mixed metaphor for preaching to the congregation, isn't it? But why should we worship? So just at the very start, just for who he is and what he has done, the Lord deserves our praise. Um, for nothing else, even if, he, even if he did nothing in our lives, which is clearly not the case, he's always working in our lives, just for who he is and what he's done. Um, and particularly, he's, he's worthy of our praise, regardless of our circumstances. And there's examples, I mean, Job is one where I, I always jump to, I think of Job when he says, you know, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, may the name of the Lord be praised. He lost everything. And all he wanted to do was worship God, and um, that just yeah, that sort of breaks me really when I when I hear that. Um, also reminds me of a song, "Blessed Be Your Name." I've, I've probably shared this lots of times, particularly with the band. But a song that's really close to me is "Blessed Be Your Name" by Matt and Beth Redman. And when you look into the story of when that was written, that was written at such a difficult time in their lives. They had such a difficult family situation they went through, um, and they wrote the song "Blessed Be Your Name." Um, and it even has a, the bridge in there. You, you give and take away, you give and take away. Um, I, my, my heart chooses to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Um, and I just can't imagine being in that place to be able to write such an amazing song um, and praise the Lord in, in their circumstances. Um, I'm going to skip through a number of these, but our biblical duty to worship, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. That's everyone, whether we think we've got a musical voice or not, we praise the Lord. Um, creation is praising God um, constantly. Um, we've got plenty of scriptures about that. We talked about King David dancing before the Lord, and he even uses words that he'll become more contemptible and dignified, humiliated than this, depending on the translation you read. He was, um, yeah, he was, he was this, yeah, I think his wife found it embarrassing, but he's, he's going, this is, this is what I'll do for the Lord. I love this. Je- uh, Jesus' words have been, Luke, if we didn't praise, and this is when he's coming into Jerusalem, if we didn't praise, even the stones would cry out on his behalf. I, I love that, but it, it makes me think, wow, stones would cry out if, if humanity didn't, if we didn't give him the praise he's due. The Lord's Prayer is filled with worship. Um, you know, his, his, it was Jesus' example how we should pray, but be our Father in heaven, that drawing near, hallowed be your name, that, that awe and respect, your kingdom come, your will be done, and to forgive us as we forgive others, and the kingdom, the power, and glory are yours. This is a prayer of worship, of intimacy uh, with the Lord. Jesus sang a hymn uh, with the disciples at the Last Supper as well. We know in Matthew 26. So Jesus himself sang, sang, sung. I'm sure I'll go for that. Um, the early church made it a priority as well. Um, we're going to learn about the early church in our new uh, teaching series. So I'm sure there'll be an element of how worship is, is done or how it could be done. And this is a really good one. Um, Acts 16, the story of Paul and Silas in prison. I'm not saying this is a, any prisoners out there listening to this on the, on the podcast or whatever. Um, if you're stuck in prison, um, if you pray, that I'm not saying the door will break down, but 
I believe in the power of God. This example, it said the, um, the prison door was flung open. You know, chains were broken after they were singing and praying. And we certainly have chains and, and things in our own life, you know, um, spiritual chains, things holding on to us. And um, I really believe worship can break through those things for each one of us. Hebrews 12 talks about us receiving an unshakable kingdom of God through Jesus. Just how could we not worship? Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And then, finally as well, it's, it's a bit of an uncomfortable truth and it's something we've been talking about this morning that I think it's surprising how many, I don't know, I think how easily we forget we're in a spiritual battle. It's a really clear scriptural thing, but we are constantly engaged in a spiritual battle. Um, the devil is, is trying to break us down. Um, and just reminds me of the armor of God. Again, I'm not going to talk through it. I think it's so well known. Um, but it, you know, it talks about praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, we take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We, we talk about um, uh, worshiping in spirit and truth um, later. There's, there's that kind of combination of his word and his spirit together. Um, yeah, we're definitely engaged in a battle. And I, I can't think of a better way, in my opinion, when you're going through a, a difficult spiritual time and we spend time in worship. Um, we just we sing songs, we just cry out, we just put our hands in the air and um, even if we haven't got the words to say, um, I love there's a scripture in Romans 8, 26. It says, even if we don't have the words, the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. I love that. Sometimes we can just make a noise and go, God, I've got nothing. I don't even know what, I don't even know how I feel. I can't even describe it. But you know, just something. And, and the Bible says the spirit will intercede. It goes beyond just the words we use. It's the, our souls and our spirit connecting with the Lord. Um, so yeah, even if you don't know what to pray, how to pray, just, just, yeah, just go for it. Just try, just do something, make a noise. Um, this is a really inmost soul type thing. Um, yeah, so this is of the armor of God is a really good reminder of the, the battle. There's also encouragement in James 4, um, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And again, this talk about humility and, and um, submission. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I mean, to answer the question, why should we worship? I think I'd go as far as saying, I don't think we can afford not to worship in whatever format that looks like in our own particular lives. So if we're talking about worship, I had to get music in somehow because it's... Uh, I'd like to point out that, you know, I, <laughs> this isn't my, my musical bias, I wanted to do this, but the more I looked into it, there's just, just so much about music um, and, and singing. Um, it's a big part of what we do. Um, so some people, you know, might love their worship times. I know a number of you absolutely do. You love times of worship. And others, maybe you see it as a, you know, it's a bit of a time filler before the preach. Maybe it's just like a contemporary tradition that festivals have done and, you know, we've just done for years and years. Is it just something that wakes us up on a Sunday morning so we can kind of hear the words being spoken to us? You might even just find worship hard to engage with. If you're honest, you know, there might be people out there who just find it really difficult. I mean, I grew up in, in, a, in a church environment. I guess I sang songs once a week for pretty much most of my life, one way or another, or at least once a week. Um, and it was just something I did. And it made, did make me question at some point, you know, why do we sing? And this is before, I suppose, I looked into what the Bible talks about it. You've seen the Hebrew words, and obviously there's Greek words as well. Um, it's, it's massively important, I think, to our, um, to our uh, 
life with the Lord, our discipleship. So clearly, music and singing, it's been associated with, um, with the worship of Yahweh for thousands and thousands of years. He was back as um, yeah, Genesis 4, Jubal, who's a descendant of Cain. He's the first person mentioned in the Bible as being the father of all who played stringed and piped instruments. Um, and, and instruments are regularly referenced in the Psalms. You know, we've got David here. Um, obviously, he was the king of Israel. We're told the man after his own heart um, in 1 Samuel. And um, he played an instrument, I think it's the kinnor, um, which is kind of a sort of a lute, um, a lute or harp, sorry, a harp, harp or lyre, I think they, they would kind of call it. Um, I guess that was the, the Fender Stratocaster of its day. Um, you know, you can imagine that plugged into a guitar effect pedal or something and um, him rocking out. Um, I don't think that's a picture of David, by the way. I think uh, he's, uh, yeah, the cameras weren't quite as good then, but um, that's kind of the instrument he would play. Um, I want to mention something Jay and Matt went to this year in our group, David's Tent, an annual festival. I think it happens in California as well, doesn't it? You went to the UK one. Um, really look, worth looking into the scriptures behind, behind David's Tent, um, a place of, uh, of, of worship where you know, many believe a lot of the Psalms would have been written um, in, in that environment. Um, there was no separation, you know, but it was continual sacrifice and, and worship to the Lord. Um, but yeah, that was, that was David's heart. He was a man of worship. Um, and yeah, a man after God's own heart. Um, examples where, I think I've said this when I led worship before, there's, there's evidence of, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit singing. Um, yeah, the, the Father sings over us. Um, Jesus sings with his disciples. And then the Holy Spirit uh, gives us songs as well that we read about um, in Ephesians. So the, the triune God is singing all the time. Um, Paul encourages us to, Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I personally find you know, worship to be um, one of the most powerful encounters I can have with the Lord. And it, it makes me want to search scripture to see, you know, does that song line up with scripture? Do I believe that sort of thing? Um, I, I don't really engage with... I, I do listen to some, you know, uh, I suppose secular type music, but playing it, it just doesn't really mean much. I can't engage with the lyrics, but when you're worshipping God and you know, you, you're, you're singing to him personally, I think that's, um, that's so much different. Even singing songs, like I said before, when you're, you're feeling empty um, and you, know, you, don't know what, you don't know what to say, you don't know how you feel, just, just trying and just having a go, just waiting on the Lord. Um, so many times, even in band practice, we've just we've finished a song and you know, I think you do a woe, don't you? Like, everyone just stops and we go, whoa, <laughs> something happens that you know, we can't explain. It's nothing that's forced by anyone. It's just the Holy Spirit descends and, and does something amazing. And of course, we've just been singing, haven't we, about you know, the angels and the heavenly hosts singing 24-7 regularly. Um, and why would we not want to use such an emotive gift like singing that God has created to give him glory? Um, I think as I've, I've continued to mature as a Christian, and that's, that maturity's got a long way to go, trust me, um, I think my, my experience in worship, I've I've much less become focused on maybe the, the style the worship's been sung in or how it's been mixed or that or whoever's leading in particular. I've become less focused on all of that and more wanting to kind of declare these truths and kind of press into to God and, and just say, what are you saying to me? How do I need to respond to that? And I think that's important. I think, you know, some days you can say, oh, how was the worship this morning? And you go, oh, there was, you know, something, something went wrong or something happened, but actually... It's about us meeting with God. That's the important thing. Um, it's not about anything else. 
Um, and so if you struggle engaging in worship, just think in that way. You're meeting with the, the living God who wants to meet with you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a line I, I don't like when I've heard it, but have you ever heard people say, like, oh, how do I know I'm in, lo- in love? And people say the songs make sense. Have you ever heard that? Like, yeah. I found that sickening. But I think there's a bit of truth in that. No, how much do you engage with the words that we sing? Or how much does scripture really challenge you when you hear it and go, wow, okay, that's, I, I, need, to, I need to respond to that. Um, do you struggle with that? I think don't leave, don't leave today without speaking to someone. If you're really struggling to engage either in songs we sing or scriptures, just, I don't know, it's just not having that much an effect. Just, just pray with someone today. Speak to someone. Um, and yeah, what are we regularly listening to? Are they songs to glorify God um, and edify ourselves, or are they, are they for something else? Um, things like Premier Praise on the radio, I think, um, can be really good. Um, oh yeah, so who, who does our souls cry out to? Um, just having the opportunity to have worship on all the, all the time, I think it's really important, particularly being in a spiritual battle. Um, I was even going to say, um, recently, uh, it, it's, I've, it's been amazing. I've, I've had a playlist that I've listened to when I'm just doing a, a job at work where I'm just like working through a spreadsheet or something dull where it's just me, it's it, you know, no interaction necessarily. I just have like a worship playlist on in the background on YouTube and I was chatting to a colleague at work who I know is an atheist. We've had a lot of conversations. And something compelled me, I don't know why, just to kind of send... Yeah, I said, could I share this playlist with you, um, this worship playlist? Again, I don't know why he didn't ask for it, but he took it amazingly graciously. He's a nice guy, but um, yeah, he just doesn't, doesn't believe in God. But it led then to a conversation, which I didn't know, where he'd been to sort of Christian festivals as a kid, and he said he reminded of some of the music um, then. So I'm really hoping that could lead to something, but I think music's powerful, um, really powerful, um, and I think we can use that um, in our lives to try and, um, yeah, that could be a way maybe he... Um, the Lord has his, uh, brings his purpose about. And also, yeah, who are we crying out to? Um, we were just talking about football, me and Simon, this morning. And when I go to football matches and you see grown men with tears in their eyes, belting out songs, tapping the badge, just kind of on their knees. And I'm kind of, I, I love football, by the way. Um, I do enjoy football. But that cult, a mute and silent God who won't respond, um, why are you putting that much passion in? Um, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, that's, um, maybe I'm a bit bitter how Man United are doing at the moment. That's, that's probably what it is. But why waste your breath? It's an unknown, it's, it's an unknown God. And, but people, people have it in their hearts to declare praise to something, um, even if it isn't to the Lord. Um, I'm nearly done because I realize I'm pretty much out of time. Um, so how can we worship? So clearly praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit. Worship in spirit and truth, as, as we say in, in, uh, in John 4, 24. Um, you know, physically sometimes kneeling, bowing, maybe that's easier in a, in a private setting, we can do that. But in, in a place of holiness, we worship the Lord in the, in the beauty of holiness, don't we? But fearing the Lord, we come in to meet with a, a holy God um, and we've got to remember that. We have to revere him and give him the honour he's due. Um, we can take communion and it's amazing we did that this morning. When I wrote that, I didn't know we were doing that this morning, but it's a time of worship, isn't it? We're meeting with the Lord, we're coming closer to him, um, remembering his miraculous love for us. There's an element of serving as well. We worship, as I said before, using our gifts to serve others. As Jesus said, we love our, our neighbor. And that's an element of service. And even to the point we prepare to lay our lives down for each other. Jesus' words, um, really, really hard words to read, aren't they? And you think, would we ever be in that place to do that? But we have to, we have to aim in that, that way. Um, I spoke, last time I spoke, we were talking on um, financial well-being. So there was a big part of that, was giving financially to the Lord. Um, just heard from Julia talking about um, uh, faith works as well. You know, we are to give, we're to serve others. Um, and 
this thing kept coming up with me. I mean, it, it was another sacrifice, isn't it, how we give. It's our worship. And, and does, it, does it hurt? That's the question I'd put out there. Again, not that I'd say I'd never recommend anyone to live outside their means and give everything away. I mean, there's examples and people have talked about giving away more than they thought they could and, and then they've been blessed. But, you know, I, I, I'm not going to preach that. That's between you and God, whatever position that is. But, you know, does it hurt? Because it is a sacrifice um, of what we give. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's, that is an element of worship. Uh, music, we just talked about, you know, put it on in the bath, put it on in the car, on the commute, just have it in the background when you're cooking dinner or whatever. Um, and then I've got to kind of say, have you considered learning an instrument or started to sing regularly? Did you used to when you gave it up? Um, and again, I think there's just a really strong basis to do it. And I mean, if you've done it before, surely that part of your soul that enjoys doing it, um, hopefully that's still there. But then one of the biggest things I think I could say from this whole thing Worship, doing what you love for the Lord every day. It's what you love, what you feel he's called you to, using your gifts. Um, so it's finding out your giftings and using them. And that really is worship. Um, you know, it could be a hobby, it could be a club you're part of. Is it sport? Um, you know, like baking, for example. I even thought of Julia, you know, your neighbours get blessed, but I know Simon in particular gets all, eats eat all the cakes and things you produce. But yeah, can you use something that blesses others that you worship? Use your hobby and your interests. Be an example in the workplace, whether God's called you to go up at the chain in a in a to the right to the CEO, or maybe he's just asked you to do a really good job where you are, you know, right at the foot of the tree, but working hard and, and lead the Lord that way. The list endless endless, just it's just doing what the Lord has called you to do, um, being a living sacrifice. And finally as well, um uh, give a shout out that we, we want to bring in some BCC deeper worship evenings because we're quite limited this morning with kids going out and stuff. Um and just kids being here. I know as a, as a dad you kind of got one eye on uh, you know where the kids are any one time, and you, you know, you, it's kind of split, but actually hopefully something that we've got a deeper opportunity. So this is literally me coming to the end now. But I just wanted to think about, have you ever wondered about, well, some British theologians asked this question about you know, nearly 400 years ago. They just, um, and they came as how I might phrase it. Um, their question there was, what is the chief end of man? Um, and they came up with this answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, which I think for me sounds quite a lot like worship in whatever format. But um, if the band are able to um, play, that would be great. Um, coming up. And anyone who's thinking uh, meaning of life and thought of the number 42, anyone out there? Yeah, yeah. I thought you might. Well, have a look at Psalm 42. Because, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Psalm 42, it talks about our souls longing for the Lord like a deer panting for water. Anyone recognize that? Um, and how his song is with us at night. And how we are to put our hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. So let's do that, obviously, through the medium of singing, but let's also do that as we go to our schools, colleges, workplaces, streets, wherever that will be. Um, let's worship the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Ben.